Good evening. I'm glad to be here tonight, and I'm glad you're here tonight. I hope you're ready to talk about God's Word a little bit. You know, I'm going to talk about forgiveness tonight, and the topic I've titled, What Forgiveness Looks Like. And if you've seen my PowerPoints up till now, you know I like to use pictures in a PowerPoint. And I try to be very thoughtful about the pictures that I choose because I don't want them to be distracting but I want them to help convey the message that we're talking about and to warm people's minds up to it. And I got to thinking, what does a picture of forgiveness look like? I mean, what does it look like in a picture of forgiveness? And, you know, to some people it's very frightening, like the eyes in the dark up here. Uh, Maybe some people it would look like trying to scale that almost unclimbable mountain The idea that I have to forgive someone for something they've done to me. I know in a a crowd this size, there's someone here tonight, probably many of us, who have been really seriously wronged in our lives. And the Bible has a lot to say about what forgiveness looks like. I want to show you what forgiveness looks like to me, personally. To me, forgiveness looks like this. April the 10th, 2021, I was in Chicago and with Carrie and uh, Jordan and David and Brent and Leslie, and I got up that morning, woke up, and I looked at Life 360 on my phone to see where Jacob was. He was supposed to be at my parents in Oklahoma, and Life 360 told me he was in Gainesville, Texas, and I thought, well, that's weird. He's supposed to be in Oklahoma. I thought, well, maybe he got called back into work. Maybe he had to go back, and, and maybe he didn't call. Usually, he'd let us know if something like that happened, but he hadn't. And I thought, well, maybe it was real early in the morning. He didn't want to disturb us. And about that time, the ring doorbell that we have at home went off on my phone, and I thought, oh, that's Jacob getting home. And I opened it up to see him coming in the house, and when I did, there was a police officer standing on our porch. And I knew right then. And about that time, my phone rang, and it was that police officer calling my phone number. And he said, is this Mr. McCorkle? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, Michael McCorkle? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you have a son named Jacob? I said, yes, sir. He said, I regret to inform you that he was hit by a drunk driver last night, and he is alive, but he's in critical condition, and that's all I can tell you. <sighs> that was a hard moment. It's a really hard moment. He almost died. If it hadn't been for life flight, <sighs> sorry, you'd think after two years I wouldn't be emotional about it, wouldn't you? They gave him 13 units of blood and plasma on the life flight on the way to the hospital. Two more once he got to the ER, and then in OR, they put him on what they called mass transfusion protocol. He almost died. That was hard for us. Very difficult. The woman who did it was a single mom in her 30s. 
actually an insurance agent, and she had been at Windstar Casino partying with her friends. And she was so drunk that she took an exit ramp, thinking it was an entrance ramp, and got on I-35 headed south on the northbound side of the highway. She was, she had a broken collarbone, or cracked collarbone, walked away from the wreck. That's what forgiveness looks like to me. I never expected to have to forgive something like this. I never expected for my family to be faced with the emotional challenge that this presents. You know, I've always hate hated drunk driving. I've always thought drunk driving was terrible. But I hate it now. I despise it. I've got no tolerance. It's not funny for someone to laugh about a DUI to me. It's a terrible, terrible, difficult thing. So how do you forgive? What does forgiveness look like for Christians? Oh, well, I want to start by telling you some things that forgiveness is not. The very first thing that forgiveness is not is forgiveness is not optional for a Christian. You know, in Matthew chapter 5 or chapter 6, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know the prayer. Part of that is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The only part of the prayer that Jesus commented on at the end of the prayer was that. The only part of the prayer he responded about was this. He said, if you forgive your fellow man what they've done, God will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I want you to understand, as non-optional as baptism is, forgiveness is equally non-optional. The Bible, very Jesus, His own words, very specifically says, if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. Period. Now, I think forgiveness is hard because it's emotional. And there, we'll talk about some of that as we go along. But one of the reasons forgiveness is hard is because we have some misconceptions about forgiveness. And I want to talk about a few things that are not in any way forgiveness and cannot be involved with forgiveness. The very first one is revenge. Forgiveness does not include revenge in any way. Forgiveness means a release from the penalty for what you've done. A release from the punishment for the thing that you've done. And if you cause that person to suffer the penalty for what they've done, no matter how small your ability to cause them to suffer is, if you intentionally cause them suffering for what they did, that's revenge. That's vengeance. If you try to get back at them in some way, you can't claim that you've forgiven them. You've taken vengeance on them, but you haven't forgiven them. The Scripture says, do not repay evil for evil. There is no circumstance which for a Christian, it's justifiable to return evil for evil. And vengeance is evil being returned for evil. 
I know in small ways we all struggle with that at times. Some idiot almost runs you off the road and you honk at them and you, you know, why you idiot, you know. And it's hard not to try to respond or to try not to respond in kind to the way people treat me. You know, when I go into a store, if they're rude, if the, the waiter or waitress or the checker is rude, it's hard for me to be friendly. But as a Christian, we don't have another option if we're going to be like Jesus. Do not repay evil for evil. No matter what the evil was, no matter how severe the evil was, Christians don't respond that way. Another thing that is a misunderstanding about forgiveness that I think makes it difficult is that there is no way the offender can uncommit the sin. You can't put the ice cream back on the cone if it falls off. No matter how bad they feel about what they did, there's no way for them to undo that. Now, if someone steals $10 from you, yeah, they can give you $10 back. But they can't undo the fact that they stole from you. You cannot undo sin. And regardless of what all the Marvel movies say, you can't go back and change history. It doesn't work that way in real life. And no matter how you feel about the situation, no matter how much you forgive the situation, it's never going to change what happened. You need to understand that all of us are survivors of some kind of wrong that was done to us. I know there for a while it was real popular for people to say they were an adult survivor of alcoholism when one of the parents was an alcoholic. You know, I didn't experience anything like that, but I can imagine that would be horrific, that you would have horrible things in your mind and in your experience that are never going to go away. And they won't go away because they can't unhappen. Sin cannot be unsinned. It can be atoned for, but it cannot be unsinned. Another thing that I believe is a misunderstanding about forgiveness is that you have to forget. You know, in the, the movie here, he had that little stick and he could push it and everybody would forget what just happened. You don't, it, not only don't you have to forget, you can't forget. It's, it's almost impossible to intentionally forget something. Now, I can unintentionally forget a lot of stuff, but intentional forgetfulness, I mean, God forgives us, right? The almighty, omniscient, all-knowing God. Do you think God really forgets the sin that you commit? I mean, do you think He forgot what you did when you were in college? He didn't forget. He forgave, but He didn't forget. Those are very different things. And we'll talk about how this works later as we go on, but I think a lot of people struggle to forgive because they have the idea that in order to forgive, I need to be able to forget what happened. And I want to tell you, as you could tell by the emotion that I showed just talking with you about what happened, I will never forget that day in Chicago. I will never forget that that happened. I don't like to think about it. It's painful for me. 
today when I was going through and putting the, those pictures of Jacob and his car in the PowerPoint, and I was looking at that, and I, did, I didn't like to see that. I didn't like to look at it. I, I, I don't like having those pictures. But that doesn't mean that I haven't forgiven. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Another thing, forgiveness is not the removal of all consequences. You know, I can forgive you for something without removing the consequences for what you did, okay? If someone molests my child, I can forgive them for molesting my child, but that doesn't mean they won't go to prison, okay? It doesn't mean I won't testify against them in court. It doesn't mean that I'm going to allow them to babysit my kids. Things change when there has been violation and sin. And I've read books that said forgiveness means the relationship is completely restored and there's no difference. It's as though the thing never happened. And that's not always true. If you steal from me, I don't have to give you a key to my house to forgive you for for stealing from me. I think that's a hardship for some people because sometimes people feel like if I'm to forgive them, I'm obligated to try to remove all the consequences for their sin. And you can't do that. And probably most difficult about forgiveness, and this is probably in my mind the biggest misunderstanding about forgiveness, is the idea that you have to go hug them and say, that's okay. I, I, I'm okay with what you did. I feel good about you and about what you did. And I'll tell you, that's not true. What they did was sin. What they did was evil and it was wrong. And you shouldn't be okay with it. I'm not okay with drunk driving and I will never be okay with drunk driving. I don't believe God is okay with it. God's not okay with the sins I committed. God doesn't look at me and go, oh, it's fine, don't, yeah, that's good. It's not good, it's evil and it's harmful and it's painful and it causes broken lives. Sin messes up people's lives. And when we feel like we have to go to that person and give them a big hug and say, I feel good about you and what you did, that's going to keep us from forgiving because we're going to go, I can't do that. I can't tell that lie. Because I don't feel good about them and what they did. That's a very big stumbling stone. But you know, God talks to us about this forgiveness and how we can do this regardless of how we feel about that person and about what they did. We've looked at these, it's not getting even, it's not undoing wrong, it's not forgetting that it happened, it's not removing all consequences or feeling good about it. So, what is forgiveness? How is it explained or described in the Bible? Well, let's look at some of the teaching about forgiveness. God says, I want you to be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. 
So he says, be kind. You know what kindness is, right? Kindness is the way you behave towards someone else. It's holding the door open for them. It's letting them go first in traffic. It's not taking the last piece of pie when you know they like pie. It's doing nice things for other people. That's what kindness is. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world if we were all kind to each other? That'd be great. He said, Christians, that's what we ought to be. He said, you need to be tender-hearted. Now, kindness and tenderhearted are not the same thing. Kindness can come from tenderheartedness, but kindness can also come from, I know people are watching me, so I'm going to behave a certain way, but I don't feel that way. Okay? Oh, how are you today? Uh-huh. And, okay, tenderheartedness, you can choose to be tenderhearted, to be soft in your heart toward people. He says we're to be kind and we're to be tenderhearted, and then we're to forgive one another the very same way that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. That's a key. That's an explanation. That's not just a you forgive, but that's a here's how you forgive. You forgive the very same way that God forgave you. That's for Christ's sake. Now, I want you to think about how God forgives us. Here we've got God up above, we've got the sinner and we've got you, and the sinner has done something sinful to you. Maybe it was a very, very serious sinful wrong like David committed in his sin with Bathsheba and then having her husband killed. That's a horrific, grievous wrong. It's terrible for David to do that. David said in response to that, when he finally came to repentance, he said this, Against you, you only, have I sinned. Now, that's odd. Do you think he sinned against Uriah? I mean, he had the guy killed. Would you, do you think that uh, Uriah's parents would have thought David sinned against them? Yeah. What does David mean by that? Well, what David means by that is that all sin fundamentally and ultimately is against God. All sin fundamentally is, an, is a breach against God. It's an affront to a holy God. And that is the fundamental basic part of sin that makes sin wicked, is it's against God. And David said, I know, David is not denying his culpability to the people around him. David is acknowledging the primacy of God's claim to righteousness. And he's saying, fundamentally, it's against you. And when a person sins, the wrath of God is poured out against sin. The Bible says the wages of sin, do you remember it? The wages of sin is death, that's right. Why? Because God loves sin? No. God hates sin. God despises sin. God does not tolerate sin in any form. So the wrath of God, when someone commits a sin against you, the wrath of God is kindled against them for the sin that they committed. Now the question is, how does a person receive forgiveness from God? You've probably been at church enough to know the answer to that biblically. The answer is that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to 
to pay the price for sin. Jesus came and God poured out His wrath on Jesus Christ for sin. You see, the wrath of God is poured out on Jesus instead of on the sinner. Now, interestingly enough, God's not the only one that's angry at sin against me. You know who else gets angry at sin against me? This guy right here. I get angry at sin against me. Do you get angry at sin against you? Yeah, we hate that. We hate it and we're angry at it because it's sin and it's wrong and it shouldn't be done. And it's just and it's right and it's godly and it's biblical to have anger against sin. There's nothing wrong with having anger against sin. Sin is a wickedness. But he said, you forgive each other the exact same way that God forgave you. And that is for the sake of Jesus Christ. You see, God looks down at this sinner and God says to this sinner, you ought to die for what you did. But Jesus died. You ought to be beat for what you did. But Jesus was beaten. You ought to be cursed for what you did. But Jesus was cursed. You ought to have a crown of thorns put on your head and banged on it with a stick. Yeah, maybe you should. But Jesus paid. And so God looks at that and He goes, you know what? You ought to be punished. But I tell you what, because of the death of my son, that is sufficient payment for my, for my wrath on your sin. Now, look at you standing over here or me. And we look at the sinner and we have our wrath against the sinner. And I go, you ought to die for what you did. Did somebody already die for what they did? Yeah, Jesus did. And for me to say, well, that's not enough for me, what that amounts to is me saying, listen, God, the death of your son may be enough for you, but it's not enough for me. Can you imagine saying that to God? But that's what it boils down to if I refuse to forgive as a Christian. And what God says and what Jesus taught is that if the death of Jesus on the cross is not sufficient for me to forgive someone else, it won't be sufficient for God to forgive me. If I discount and I reject the cross when it comes to forgiving other people, then I will have that cross discounted when it comes to me. God will not respect that. You see, when Jesus Christ died, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid for sin. And Jesus didn't just pay for vertical sin. He paid for horizontal sin. He paid for sin between you and me, right? And so, when you've wronged me, I look at you and I say, Jesus died for that. And I can say that no matter what you've done to me. I can say that no matter how hurt I am. I can recognize that Jesus Christ, you know what? Jesus died for the sin of drunk driving that almost killed my son. He died for that. And for me to refuse to forgive 
because I don't believe that's enough. I don't believe that's good enough. I don't believe it's fair that she gets away with it and gets forgiven and then she never has to pay for it. And what that is, is a cheapening of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Look at the way God words His forgiveness for us in the book of Hebrews. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, is, is that a description of the way God feels? To us? Toward us? No, I don't believe that's a description of emotion. I believe that is a promise. It's a promise that's made, and it's a promise that God makes that I will not remember your sins and your iniquities against you anymore. This is a promise. It is not a feeling. And God looks at you and He says, Because Jesus paid the price for your sin, I won't remember your sin against you anymore. Justice has been served. Jesus Christ has paid the price. And when it comes to forgiving someone, I believe you can forgive if you know how. So how do you do that? Number one, you make the promise. This promise that God made. I will not remember that against you anymore. The promise of forgiveness starts with a point, and then there is a process. The point is the moment at which you make that promise. The process is you keeping that promise. And this promise involves several things, and I want to talk about just briefly what these promises are, what this promise entails. Number one, this promise entails not bringing it up to anyone anymore. I'm not going to talk about it to other people. I'm not going to say, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you what. A few years ago, you're not going to believe what Danny did to me. You're not going to believe. Now, I forgave him, but I just want you to know to be careful. I want you to watch out because God doesn't do that. God doesn't say like that to you. And you know what else he doesn't say? He doesn't say, listen, I forgave you, but I remember what you did. I forgave you, but on my way here, God didn't say, now, Michael, you remember to be humble because I remember what you did. That's not the way God forgives. He doesn't bring it up to me over and over and over and over again. That's not the way God forgives. And it's not the way you keep, you can keep that promise, can't you? When someone has wronged you, you can keep the promise of not bringing it up to them anymore. Not saying, yeah, I know, but I remember. I hadn't forgot yet. You have to let that go as far as keeping that promise. Don't ever bring it up to them again. Secondly, you don't bring it up to others like I was saying just a moment ago. A moment ago. God didn't tell me all of your sins before I got here. He didn't say, whew, you're going into a church there, buddy. I have forgiven you. You're not going to believe what I forgave. I forgave so and so of this. And God doesn't do that. That's not the way He forgives. God doesn't bring it up to other people. I've known so many people who would forgive, quote unquote, and then they wanted to gossip about it. And they wanted to tell someone else about what had been done. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is I'm not going to keep bringing it up to you and I'm not going to run around telling other people what you did. 
Number three, and this is probably, no probably about it, it is the most difficult piece of this promise. And that is, I'm not going to stew on it in my own mind. I'm not going to keep thinking about it. I'm not just going to run it over and over and over in my mind. You know, the more you think about it, the more raw and painful something is. That's just true. When uh, the woman who hit Jacob was about to go to court for what she had done, she was arrested for um, intoxication assault at the scene, and she went to court about a year later. And when that was coming up, the district attorney contacted me and wanted all of Jacob's medical records. He wanted all of the pictures of Jacob, like some of the ones I showed you. There are many, many more. And so I spent several days going through all of his medical records. His medical records were 1,600 pages long. And they had to have all of that. They had to have all the financial records of what all it cost. And, and I'll tell you, it had been a year, and I was doing pretty good. But the more I focused on that, the more I thought about it, just the more angry and raw that became, and the, the more difficult it was for me to just push that aside and push that away. The more you think about it, the more difficult it's going to be for you to forgive. So if you don't bring it up to them and you don't bring it up to other people, don't bring it up to yourself. You might say, man, that's just, that's just hard. I mean, I think about it all the time. It's always there. I talked to a lady one time who was bitter. She was very bitter. And it was obvious after just a little visiting. And I said, has anyone ever wronged you? She goes, oh, yes. And she began to tell me about this wrong that had happened to her. And I began to talk to her about forgiveness. And she interrupted me. But she said, oh, no, 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 I forgave him. But I think about it every day. Is that forgiveness? That's not forgiveness. You might say, but to not think about it, I'd have to, I mean, I think about it 60 times in 60 seconds. Then push it out of your mind 60 times in 60 seconds. And if you'll do that, faithfully and push it out of your mind and push it out of your mind in a few minutes you'll just be pushing it out 59 times in 60 seconds and if you'll keep doing that it'll become 58 times in 60 seconds and if you'll keep doing that eventually it'll get to where it very rarely comes to your mind you know when this first happened with Jacob that's all we thought about it consumed our world because we were at the hospital. He was in a coma. It consumed our world at that time. But, you know, here two years later, I'm not saying I never think about it. I do think about it. But I don't think about it all the time. And I don't think about it with anger. I don't think about it with rage. You can choose to control the things that are in your mind. You can choose to keep this promise of forgiveness you do it like this. But I say unto you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. I can remember the first time I said a prayer for the lady that hit Jacob. That's hard to do. It's hard to pray for someone. And she wasn't persecuting us. I mean, she didn't wake up that morning and go, I'm going to try to kill Jacob McCorkle today. Uh, that wasn't in her mind. 
It's hard to pray for people who've wronged you. But you can do that. That's an act of the will, not an act of the emotions. You can pray for people who've wronged you. And you know what? If you'll talk to God about those people instead of talking to other people about those people, your attitude about them will be different. Because I tell you, I don't have good things to say about that lady to other people. But when I talk to God, <laughs> you know, I, God loves her and He sent His Son to die for her and she's one of His creation, one of His children. And, and I know He loves her just like He loves me. And, you know, I, the things I say to Him are different than the things that I would say to someone else. Pray for the people who've wronged you. Intentionally do that every day. Every time they come to your mind. If they come to your mind in anger, pray to God. Not for your anger, but pray for them. Pray that God will bless them. Pray that God will forgive them. Pray that they will be able to be right with Him and spend eternity in heaven. Because that's the greatest goal. That's the greatest thing for the sacrifice of Christ to even pay for what they did. Number two, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You know what it means to bless someone? It means to speak good of them and speak good to them. Speak good about them. Say good things to them and about them. You can do that. You might, well, I can't think of anything good to say. I don't know. I know that God tells us to bless the people who curse us. Bless the people who've caused problems. I've thought about what would I say if that lady ever called us, reached out to us. I've thought about that. thought, what would God want me to say to her? What God would want me to say to her is probably different than what I would want to say to her. And I've chosen, I've decided, now she's never reached out to us, and at this point I don't expect she ever will. But if she ever does, I have decided that I will say what God tells me to say to her, and I will bless her instead of cursing her. Because that's what God tells me to do. And if we'll do what God says, if we'll keep that promise, we will be forgiving. That's the way God forgives. Number three, be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. Choose to have tender thoughts. Make your thoughts tender. Make your thoughts soft, not hard. You know what it means to be hard-hearted, don't you? You know when you're just angry about something, you just have that bitter edge and that, you know, because you felt that way at people before. But you also know what it is to be soft and tenderhearted, right? The softness of heart, the tenderness that you care for someone. You can choose to have a tender heart. Because the Bible says whatever's true and honorable and just and pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, in 2 Corinthians, he says, take every thought captive. You can choose what you think about. Have any of you ever had a pet cat? 
No, I see some people shaking. Do you know what a cat looks like? Can you think about a cat right now? You think about what a cat looks like? All of you? You just controlled what you thought. Now, it was at my encouragement, but you controlled what you thought. You can control the thoughts that come into your mind. You can. You don't a lot of times, but you can. God commands us to think the things that He tells us to think, to take every thought captive. And you can do that when you think about the people who've wronged you. When you think about the person who has done evil to you, you can choose what you think about that person. You don't just have to let your feelings control what you think. Now, there may be someone here who's thinking, but what about justice? I mean, if I just forgive them, they're going to get away with it. They're never going to have to pay for it. They're going to get off with it, and they'll probably do it to someone else. What about justice? Is there no justice? And my question would be, what is justice? You know what justice is? The woman who hit Jacob went to jail for 75 days and got 10 years probation. Is that justice? I don't know. The truth is, I don't know what justice is. I mean, she's a single mom. Is it justice to take her away from her child for 10 years and put her in prison for one night mistake that happened to have bad consequences? Is that just? I don't know. Maybe she's a sorry mom and teaching her daughter to drive drunk and her daughter would be better off without her. I don't know. I don't know what justice is. And I've thought about it a lot with Jacob's situation. What is fair, especially when I was preparing all those documents for the district attorney? What's justice? How long should she go to jail? What should she suffer for what she did? And the honest truth is, I just don't know. But I know someone who does. You see, Jesus Christ, God, He knows. God knows if she's repentant or not. I don't. God can see her heart. She might fool me. I might think she was repentant when she's not at all. I might think she's not repentant when she really is. God can see her heart. God knows all the circumstances of her life. He knows why she was at that casino that night. He knows what she drank, who she drank it with, why she drank it. He knows what she smoked and the drugs she took. He knows all of that and He knows why. I don't. I have no idea. But I do know that in the ultimate final scale of things, if she's repentant and is forgiven, praise God for that forgiveness. Praise God that she turned her life around and she served Him and got the same forgiveness I get. If she doesn't, and she's hard-hearted, and she's unrepentant, and she doesn't care, she's not going to get away with it. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And the truth is, no one gets away with sin. No one does. 
And even if she's not repentant, even if she doesn't care what she did, God will see to it ultimately that justice is served. So see, the beauty of that for me is that I don't have to decide. I don't have to make sure justice is served. I don't have to be the one who fights in the courts for her to go to jail. For I, I don't have to do all of that. God is going to take care of that. God will see to it that what is right and just and merciful is done. And He'll do it far better than I ever could, that I ever could dream of. And Jesus said this, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. This is the kind of person that a Christian is. And this is the kind of person a Christian is when it's hard, not just when it's easy. This is the kind of person a Christian is when it's painful. This is the kind of person a Christian is when whatever hits you takes your breath away and you don't know how you're going to recover. This is the kind of person a Christian is because this was Jesus. This is the way God is. Someone says, well, what if they don't repent though? Do I have to forgive them if they don't repent? I've had people tell me, well, I don't have to forgive them. They didn't repent. I don't know. Does God require us to repent? Yeah, He does require us to repent. Jesus hanging on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Were those people repentant when Jesus prayed that prayer? No. Jesus was forgiving. Even when people were not repentant, He did not hold a personal grudge against them. You might say, yeah, but preacher, that's Jesus. And although I try to be like Him, I'm not Jesus, right? Stephen as they were killing him with stones, cried out to God, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You think these people were repentant while they were crushing his skull with stones? No. He just cried out to God for their forgiveness. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to wait for repentance to forgive. If you're going to be like Jesus, like the Son of God, like the one we claim to be Christians, what you're going to do is you're going to forgive the way that God forgives. You're going to accept the death of Jesus, and you're not going to bring it up to them. You're not going to bring it up to other people. You're not going to stew on it in your own mind. You're going to pray for them. You're going to bless them. You're going to be tenderhearted, and you're going to focus on the good, and you can do all of those things because those are promises that you can keep regardless of how you feel. And I'm not telling you that you're ever going to feel really kind and gentle. I mean, you're not, your emotions, when you see them, you're probably not ever going to go, Oh, good, there they are! That's probably not going to happen. At least for a long, long time. But you can keep the promise of forgiveness no matter what they've done to you. You can make and keep this promise. The Bible says this. 
The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And I know when you face something dreadful, you may, you may think, you know what, I, I don't have the love in my heart to forgive. There's not a, enough love in me to cover something like this. It's bad. And I'll, never, I'll be scarred for the rest of my life, and I just don't have enough love to cover that. And I would say, you're probably right. You probably don't. But as a Christian, the love of God has been put in your heart. The eternal love of God has been put in your heart. And if you will, in faith, just step out. We sang a song about Peter stepping out on the water and the ocean song we sang about the faith it takes to do that. If you'll just in faith step out and say, okay, I'll make that promise. I'm not going to feel good about it, but that's what God told me to do. That's what God does toward me. And I'll, I'll make that promise and I'll keep that promise. If you'll step out in faith, you'll be amazed at how the love of God will lift you. And I want to tell you a lot of things I preach about, I may not have the personal experience with, but I do with this. And I know that God will lift you. And God will allow you to completely forgive if you will in faith step out and make that promise. And so I end this sermon by saying, hey, you can forgive. You absolutely can forgive. And if you've been holding something in your heart against someone, you need to make that promise today. You need to make that promise. Now, you may not need to come to the front of the building and ask us to pray for you, but you might. You might. I'm going to tell you, during that period of time, I had to talk to a lot of people, and I had to ask a lot of people to pray for me during that period of time. That was hard. You may need that. I want you to know that people here understand what it's like to struggle with forgiveness. You need to get the bitterness out of your life. And you can do that if you'll make the promise. And you'll keep the promise and you'll forgive. So if there's any way we can assist you in that forgiveness, please come to the front while we stand and sing.